Hello, and welcome to our podcast, In the World, hosted by me, Rick Robinson, and brought to you by Billups. Welcome, everybody. Today, we're investigating a very interesting and big question. How out-of-home media can make the world a better place? It's idealistic. It's aspirational. It's perhaps a little touchy-feely, even. But a worthwhile question and an important one is brands continue to find ways to make themselves known in the public space. And today we have a terrific guest to talk about this topic. He's has a legacy in this area and is extremely well informed. His name's Brad Gleason, and he's got 25 years in the digital out of home space from small screen networks to large format digital bulletins and other broad based networks. He's worked globally on several projects, Link NYC notably, and recently with Via Verde in Mexico City. He's also been involved with 3D reflective material out of Israel, and he really has spent his career leveraging technology to advance the field of -of out-of-home media. So I'd like to welcome Brad. Hey, Rick. Thanks for inviting me. Glad to be here. Terrific to have you. And look, this is a juicy question, right? How can out of home make the world a better place? How can it serve both the public and private interest? And notably, how the conversions to digital out of home, the rise and abundance of that hardware, uh, has made the medium in some ways the voice of our cities. And so I'd like to start at the beginning. Talk to me about how out of home media has impacted communities in a positive way. Well, sure. So to get started, Rick, we really have to go back to the beginning. And that really started with the pioneers in the concept of amenities in return for out-of-home advertisers advertising. And that's J.C. Decoe. Jean-Claude Decoe back in the 60s provided bus shelters to commuters in France and provided those basically free of charge to the city of Paris in return for advertising posters that were placed on the side of the bus shelters. It seemed like a fair trade, and and it still is today. In fact, the out-of-home industry and the street furniture industry has been operating under that model ever since for over 50 years. But really, the needs of cities today has changed. The ability to provide these types of amenities in street furniture has long been saturated. And what cities need today are more complex and more electronic and digital type solutions. Things like, you know, improving air quality, improving access to Internet capabilities things like transit and and other things that modern cities need today. And so what we've seen is a transition of the out-of-home industry to broader and broader capabilities and amenities that really impact people in in an entirely different way and in new ways in the marketplace today. So now with this increased utility, you know, the increased opportunity and complexity that out-of-home can provide for the public, do you think the public notices this? Is, is this something that they, they recognize immediately or is it appreciated and utilized, but just not in a real cognitive way? Like, like do they know the out-of-home media is providing the service for them? Well, that's a great question. I'm not sure if they're completely aware of it or if it's taken for granted, but the reality is it doesn't matter. It's, it's absolutely a critical need today because the amenities that these cities require can't be paid for out of taxpayer dollars and, and other means. And so out-of-home media is one of the few ways that cities have to monetize their rights of way and monetize the access to their to their cities and their citizens. And so, you know, today what we have to do is take into consideration that when 
cities want to do things like in New York City, the project I was work I was involved in, Link NYC, was involved in, in converting all the obsolete pay telephone booths in New York City to high speed Wi-Fi towers. And the only way the city could do that is through out of home media and converting those payphone booths that had basically turned into static poster displays into digital communications towers that could provide things like wayfinding, they could provide free telephone calls, you can charge your cell phone and you can get access to high speed Wi-Fi, all paid for through digital advertising. And, you know, those are just that's just one example of the ways that people are basically benefiting from these types of technologies and the solutions are being paid for through media. Can you talk to some other examples where this public private exchange has happened for the benefit of the public? Uh, talk to us about what you're working on with Via Verde in Mexico City. Sure. So Via Verde started out as a, a project from an architect to basically beautify the city of Mexico City, where they have an elevated highway. And the lower level of that elevated highway is the busiest highway in Mexico City. And it's basically an environment that's surrounded by concrete columns. And so the architect decided, you know, we really wanted to change this to, you know, to beautify it. And at the same time, we realized that the city has some of the worst air pollution in the world. The amount of green space per capita was one third what the recommendation was from the UN. And so they decided to come up with a concept to create vertical green gardens on all these 2000 concrete pillars on this highway. But how are we going to pay for that? And so they, they basically did a survey through Facebook of citizens in Mexico City and said, OK, we have three ways to pay for it. We can have the government pay for it through tax dollars. We can have citizens pay for it through some sort of a, a fee, or we can use advertising to pay for it. And overwhelmingly, the public said, you know, use advertising. And so what happened was we created a, a model where one in 10 columns was converted to a digital LED billboard, three meters by eight meters in size. And that digital advertising pays for the entire network. The network is IoT controlled. It provides improved air quality, cleans the air, as well as it provides a little bit of a benefit from the urban heat issues that you have in, in cities with a lot of concrete. And so it turned out to be a very positive trade. And in fact, the city has gone on now to expand that to other areas in the city and out beyond the city into the country itself. The company is being approached about similar opportunities in many other countries around the world and actually won an award from the World Economic Foundation for its benefit. This is a very literal, uh, specific, undeniable moment where out of home literally is making the world a better place. It's, it's creating oxygen, right, off of vertical gardens. It's funding something for the benefit of the city that requires zero taxpayer money. And it was something that was put to a vote to the city residents uh, to decide how they wanted to fund it. Uh, this seems like a very a very rare example in some ways that had so many levels of conversation that brought it to life. Do you see this happening more and more? Is this a trend that's happening globally in other cities? Well, I think, you know, maybe not exactly in that same way, but, but certainly we're seeing out-of-home advertising used as a funding mechanism for many other 21st century amenities. You know, another project that I'm working on with a company that builds smart streetlights, smart and connected LED streetlights. And again, it's, it's an undeniable trend that streetlights will convert to LED for lower energy. They can be connected via internet connectivity and IoT to allow the addition of things like security cameras and 5G cellular transmitters. 
But again, the, the cities are hard pressed to, to fund this conversion, sometimes due to contracts that they have with the local utilities and sometimes just due to availability of funds. By adding a digital banner on those light poles, some cities and communities can now find another funding mechanism to help offset the expense and increase the likelihood and the speed at which they do that conversion. There are a number of other examples like that, Rick, where I think it's really important for out-of-home businesses and for brands that use out-of-home to figure out how can we work together to react and respond to what cities and citizens are, are concerned about in terms of their environment, in terms of, of the services and support systems that their residents have access to, and come together to both create a brand message that resonates in terms of caring for our community, as well as a real service and support that can benefit the citizens who need it the most. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get to a very good point here where there are a few sides to this equation. One side is what are the suppliers doing? Clearly, they're providing the inventory. They're creating the opportunity for some level of utility to a city based on what their needs are. The city is embracing this opportunity. There's obviously some funding and revenue that's part of it. The people in the city just benefit from it by simply being resident of that city. But then how do the brands make it work? And what's the role and responsibilities of the brands in this ecosystem? And it, can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like maybe a couple of brands that have really seen this sort of unexpected outcome, right? This relationship between digital out of home and cities and the public and, and made the most of it. Yeah, absolutely, Rick. You know, I think the, the key is it has to be authentic. You know, it has to be something where the brands involved are really, you know, trying to create not just a PR stunt, but talk about how their business is aligned with the cause or the message that they're trying to create. And, you know, one of the examples that I think is, is interesting is, for example, Toyota had a, a vehicle that they launched in Europe, which was a hydrogen-based, hydrogen-fueled vehicle. And the idea was that they wanted to create both the message and the awareness for this, uh, this vehicle that basically created no pollution at all, but was but basically was, uh, you know, a very eco-friendly vehicle. And what they did was they created a billboard that had a technology on it that actually scrubbed the air of pollution. It, it reversed the nitrogen dioxide in the air through a chemical coating that was on the billboard itself. They did 37 billboards in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Actually, this was a launch for the Mirai. It was called the, the Toyota Mirai in California. And the idea was that these billboards themselves could clean the air as they were on display. And so that was a really interesting message. It was a use of technology that had never been used like this before specifically to demonstrate to the community their emphasis on air quality as a, as a brand and advertising their emission-free or pollution-free vehicle using that technology was an incredible way to do that. What's interesting here is that this medium, out-of-home media, billboards, has historically been seen as a messenger of pure commerce. It's, um, you know, there, there was no editorial air cover for it. You know, the poles are in the ground, the structures are in place to send advertising messages as a primary purpose. And we've seen some of this evolution going back to the Deco example where, okay, we can shelter people from rain and put a poster in it. And this creates a unified win-win-win for the public and the city and the brands and so on. And now it just seems that we have this unexpected outcome 
because of advances in technology that allow out-of-home media to truly bring levels of, of good uh, to the cities they occupy. Uh, how far do you see this going? I mean, do you see this as uh, not just an emerging trend, but just the, the state of affairs as, as a standard rule for out-of-home media in the public space? I really do. I mean, not, not 100% of the time, of course, but where we see opportunity and where we see expansion, I think this is a critical requirement for out-of-home media companies and brands to consider and to embrace. You know, what we're seeing now is that due to regulatory issues, the conversion of a static billboard to a digital billboard often requires that the operator take down a number of static billboards in order to allow for the digital billboard. And, you know, generally, economically, that can sometimes make sense because the digital billboard can provide more revenue due to having the ability to change messaging. But the other thing that the digital billboard now can do is it can provide information on things like an amber alert or an earthquake alert or, you know, forest fire or all kinds of things that are now available to provide as messaging back to that population that they couldn't do when it was a static billboard. And, you know, what we're seeing is that we're seeing whole cities like Sao Paulo who are basically banning street level advertising and having it all removed because they felt it was not providing anything but visual clutter to the community. And there are conversations now talking about how can they bring visual media back out of home advertising back into Sao Paulo. And I can tell you, it's going to have to come with some sort of a value proposition back to the city and the citizens. And it's got to be more than just a rev share. It's got to be a purpose and a reason for those companies to operate that benefit the society. And creative ideas around this are things that are going to make a difference to companies and brands and media operators in terms of these types of conversions and the ability to continue to operate their business going forward, in my opinion. Sure. I think a lot of people are agreeing with you. It's becoming clear that doing good is, is just good for business and not just for out of home, but just in general across the board. Specifically, though, when it comes to maintaining and growing the out-of-home and digital out-of-home footprint in the U.S. and globally, this, this relationship between the city and people and the utility the inventory can provide is, is, is just going to continue to grow and become uh, more advanced and complex and more valuable, right, to the people on the streets. Let me ask you this. Do you feel that out-of-home inventory or digital out-of-home, any out-of-home inventory is more valuable to brands when it's connected to this type of behavior? Well, I don't know about more valuable. I think it's it's more authentic. And again, if the idea is not just to put up displays that are in people's vision and out of, in their way, but to actually communicate and to create a brand position or to create a, a relationship with the consumer through the messaging that you provide, then then yeah, I think, you know, being, you know, aware of the needs of the community more than, you know, their material needs is something that's going to make a difference. And, you know, certainly there's lots of uh, examples of this, but I think in the out-of-home market in particular, because the the displays are basically, you know, in place for extended periods of time and you have digital transitions and all kinds of ways that you can enhance that communications, I think the messaging and the positioning of the brand in terms of, you know, things that people care about is increasingly important. And, and I think that'll continue for, you know, for a long time. And so I think the brands who are aware of that and are activating that are the ones who are going to have the most opportunity in the out-of-home marketplace. And, 
and frankly, the most opportunity to provide the positive impressions that they're looking for from their potential consumers. Sure, there's there's a level of uh, extra value in the messenger if that messenger provides multiple levels of utility to the viewer. You know, I have this theory that out of home, in particular right. digital out of home, is becoming the voice of our cities. That the public looks at it now as a place for all kinds of information, not just commerce, but you know, I, I saw something recently in Northern California for the forest fires, telling us which freeways were blocked or closed. And you see it in all kinds of public messaging, public safety, wayfinding, so on and so forth. And I really believe it's changing the relationship between the public and this messenger, where they see it as a broad voice, almost the voice of truth in a way, if I could get away with saying that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, certainly they expect an expanded message, particularly from digital displays than they may have in the past. And so, you know, when we're working on Link NYC, for example, you know, we were excited to add new amenities to that platform, including things like Aunt Bertha, which provided access to social services to people who needed it. But also, you know, things like transit information, you know, what's the schedule for the subways today? Which subways are closed or delayed? You know, what about emergency notifications and things of that sort? And so, yeah, I think that the digital capabilities of our display technology have the responsibility to communicate more than just, you know, consumerism. And so again, Link NYC is an example. We were doing things like art. We were doing local art. We were doing history, examples of what New York City was like in previous times displayed on the on the LCD panels. And so I think that creates both a magnetism, a, an attraction to the to the media, as well as a feeling that it's not just there to try to sell me something all the time. It's there to communicate, to educate and influence, of course, but there is some value to it over and above you know, the latest insurance or, you know, airline ad. And, and I think that's important. I think, I think we should be embracing it. We should be integrating it, you know, kind of in, in creative ways with the brand messaging that we're doing. And I think brands that are associated with that, like the brands that associated themselves with Via Verde had a natural both authenticity and benefit from the message of, you know, we're doing things to improve the air quality and the beauty of your city. And so those should all be things that get considered as you're doing your creative campaigns in these, on these assets, in my opinion. You know, when it comes to this model, you can see the motivation for, for the supply side, right? Hey, if we provide more utility to the city, more levels of compensation, more value to the public, we can perpetrate more out of home, right? It secures the future of the industry. And we can see why cities would like this provides revenue. There's an aesthetic component. There's value to the population as, public servants, it satisfies their charge to do what's good for their city. We can also see why people like it um, because it provides, you know, I like to call it time, fun, or money, some level of uh, surprise and delight along the way. And actually, in some cases, things they'll rely on every day, like Wi-Fi and wayfinding and things like that. For you, Brad, you say that you've leveraged technology to advance the field of -of out-of-home media. That's been a driver for your career. It's clear to me that you feel that you know, out of home and digital out of home, you know, they bring more diversity of inventory and socially dynamic, dynamic messaging to the public space. And, and that's, that should be very attractive for brands. But, but what, what drives you to do this just on a personal level? Like, where's your gratification in all of this? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I've been involved in the digital signage business on the technology side really since the late 90s. Got involved very early on with digital signage in place-based media, starting with the U.S. Postal Service putting on rear projection displays in the post offices to reduce perceived wait times. When I got involved in the Link NYC project, I, I sort of got out of advertising for a while. And I got back into it with Link NYC and Civic Smartscapes because I saw where, you know, we really were using advertising to, you know, to improve the quality of life for people in New York City by removing these obsolete payphone booths and replacing them with things that could provide all the things that a payphone booth could provide, including free phone calling and 911 service, but then so much more. And so, yeah, maybe it was a little bit idealistic at that time, but that really lit a spark with me that, you know, I got very involved in the smart cities marketplace at that time. And the issue with the smart cities concepts is that there are a lot of technology benefits that can be applied to city environments where, you know, over 50% of the world's population lives, but, you know, the cities just did not have the economic models to, to fund it. And so, you know, it wasn't a big leap to say, well, in places where we can use media to commercialize and to generate revenue, we could use that revenue to then pay for these amenities to, you know, allow cities to advance in some of these areas of mobility and safety and communications. And I went from there to the Via Verde project, working on other similar solutions around the world. And, and it just became something that really drove me in terms of my interest in the technology and, and you know, it, it solved a problem. And that's really what you're trying to do here is, you know, how do we solve the problem of wanting to advance the availability of some of these technical solutions for cities in ways that, you know, that can be funded? And so, you know, I wouldn't say that we're 100% successful at that. We're still very much involved in a lot of projects that still require conventional funding. And, and, and so it's still an ongoing process, but it definitely was something that changed my perspective about you know, how we could use advertising as a means to an end and not necessarily an end all. And I think, like I say, the, the benefits to the brands are not insignificant. You know, I went to Burning Man this year. <laughs> I think I told you this, Rick. And what was interesting about Burning Man and what people don't understand is that it, it, is, it stands for basically an absence of brands. There are no brand messages allowed. There's no presence of branding allowed. And the whole idea of commerce is, uh, is sort of a gifting economy. There's, you know, there's nothing more idealistic than this approach. But the interesting thing is that, you know, the people that go and, and the commerce that takes place is all the same as what we see today. I mean, there's music and there's food and there's all the things that you do in your day-to-day -day life in this environment, but they're not driven by commercialism and brands. And so, you know, it's one of the things that we need to kind of wake up to and realize that while our industry is very much about creating a relationship between the brand and the value proposition and the consumer, there's more ways to associate that brand with things that people care about than just, you know, what is the latest thing that we're trying to get them to buy? And again, this is not a revolutionary message. This is something that, that we all know and has been going on for a long time. I think that today there are just more creative ways to express that and to operate that. And there's more need than ever for cities and communities and societies to leverage that opportunity to, to bring new and modern benefits to cities and citizens. These, these are all unexpected outcomes in a way. We're finding ourselves in a place where doing good is good for business. We're out of home. As proven, it can make the world a better place. And ultimately, for brands, it's creating a diversity of inventory. It's creating 
opportunities for socially dynamic messaging, as creating opportunities to attach themselves to this notion of, of service and utility to the public. All very, very promising going forward. Brad, good conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I think we've begun to explore how out of home can make the world a better place. And I, I think we'll see more of it going forward. My pleasure, Rick. Thanks very much for the invitation. And I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you. Terrific. Absolutely. Okay, everybody out there, keep your heads up and your eyes open out there in the world. And Rick Robinson signing off.